Hi, and welcome to NARC Troopers, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. And today our topic is called The Fire Ant Hill. A narcissist psychopath will throw you to the wolves or feed you to the sharks because they don't really care about you. Yesterday, I stepped into a soft mound of dirt and immediately knew what it was. I had on flip-flops and a couple of tenacious little boogers latched onto my foot. A few fierce moments of Chaos ensued, and a few minutes after that, my afternoon walk became a limping retreat to my car. Today, there are three large red welts with itchy blisters on the bottom of my feet. I didn't see these huge ant colony mounds because I was on a shady trail, and I simply didn't see it and i don't see things like that because i have stargart which is a genetic eye disease that destroys the retina so i have low vision and depth perception issues to see clearly enough to maneuver about i need full sunlight but while i can see to function for the most part i don't see well enough to avoid hazards such as fire ant hills. Well, this wasn't my only mishap recently. A month ago, I was standing on the deck of my favorite restaurant's massive patio, and I didn't see a step that was covered in the shade, obscured by a giant oak tree. Of course, I ended up on the ground with a twisted ankle and a bruised ego. After a moment, a server and a hostess helped me to my feet as I tried to appear okay, even though I felt like my ankle was probably broken. And I hobbled to my table. I thought about my dearly departed husband of 15 years, who swore that he would always be beside me and catch me when I fell. You know, I depended on him to tell me where there was a step or a curb or a giant anthill. But after all those years, he got a better offer and someone who could most likely stay on her feet without any help. Independence Day for him, I guess. Anyway, one day, just out of the blue, he announced that he didn't want to take care of me anymore. He said he didn't want to watch me get old and die. He said he didn't want to see me go blind. And he said he only wanted to look after himself, and I would have to do the same. So, for the past 23 months, I have been trying, acutely aware of the empty space beside me. You know, I'm always fully aware of his absence. Determined just to take it by holding my head a little higher, holding the rails a little tighter, holding hope that I can keep going any way I can, but it's not working very well. I've lost my partner who didn't want to be my eyes anymore. I've lost the life we had as husband and wife, and I've lost a future 
that seemed so hopeful and bright and replaced it with one that, quite frankly, terrifies me. People with NPD, or Narcissistic Personality Disorder, and ASPD, which is Antisocial Personality Disorder, they only appear to care for so long before they, well, they have to ditch the act and just move on to their next victim. They are predators with an insatiable hunger for fuel and supply. They need constant attention, affection, adoration, and all of that to fill up their emptiness in order just to live. A follower on my podcast channel recently reminded me that we all need to show compassion and sympathy for those who are dysregulated and maladapted through some mental impairment. He went on to say that they are victims, too, of their own pathology and trauma-induced mental health issues. I replied, yes, I know he is damaged and sick. As an empath, I feel his pain and wept for him so many times through our marriage I fought for him, defended him, excused him, enabled him, empowered him, and loved him unconditionally, regardless of the terrible things he could not seem to stop himself from doing. Of course, I had compassion and forgiveness and mercy and hope and faith in his ability to be a better man to tap into the goodness that surely must dwell deep within his soul, buried beneath these years of abuse and neglect and pain that he suffered in his early, early life. You know, I never gave up on him and was prepared to stand by him at the gates of hell, like the loyal dog that will not desert their master who starves them and beats them and leaves them out in the cold, I, too, stood by my master, my husband, the most powerful love I had ever experienced. He could have murdered me, and I would not have abandoned him. I imagined that I would gaze into his eyes as he slipped the blade into my chest and forgive him for not being able to stop himself. So do not speak to me of compassion or mercy. In spite of all that, it doesn't change the fact that he is a narcissistic psychopath and a predator of the highest degree. (coughs) Therefore, he is dangerous, deadly, and deserving of being named for exactly what he is. Really, the truth is all that matters. So let's think about this. When I am sick or injured, I call out to him in silence. As I take my last breath, I will most likely close my eyes and imagine him near. Sometimes love is madness. It is a fever and a fire. It lives in a place without rhyme or reason 
without logic or justification or excuses or anything. It is pure and solid and organic and powerful and transcendent and eternal. It is the way I love my children, no matter what they do. It lasts forever and ever. Amen. And it redeems you and gives your life meaning. I don't know how to love with only a portion of my heart, with contingencies, with withholding parcels of myself. It is complete and all-consuming, undeniable, irrefutable. Love is everything. Love is God, and God is love. Everything that exists has a purpose. Without evil, there can be no goodness. Without sickness, we don't respect our health. Even the predator serves a purpose. He creates balance in nature and ensures that order is established. He is the harbinger of doom who destroys us only to force us to resurrect as new, improved versions of ourselves. He is the annihilator, so we must fall to our knees and embrace God in order to survive this dark night of the soul that they usher in for us. I had never felt such powerful connections to anyone else before I met my husband. The joy and bliss, the things I learned, the ways I grew, were all because I loved him. And he was such an exquisite chameleon that he mirrored my love so perfectly and completely. It felt real, safe, and perfect. And even though dark shadows always sat in the corners, watching, hovering around us, I looked away. I refused to acknowledge the signs that forecasted danger and death and demise and destruction. It was like living in a beautiful fantasy land where everything is rainbows and glitter and unicorns and, and just paradise. But it wasn't real. He wasn't real. None of it was real. It was a shared fantasy. And for a time, I stepped into his technicolor dreamscape and marveled at the wonders there. I never wanted to leave. The real world had always been so cold and so cruel. Coming back to that real world is a harsh awakening. And for those who have been away to that uh, you know, push, pull, bliss, torture, perfect, flawed cycle of never, never land, emotional, spiritual, and mental abuse. You know, it's easier to just wait for the dopamine hits that feel like pure heroin flooding, flooding your body when the narcopath is being good. And we all know how dehumanizing, painful, humiliating, and depraved that everything can be when the narcopath is bad. And so you are bound, addicted, 
forever in a covenant of despair. A twin flame that was meant to be, but forever cursed time after time. A karmic debt that can never be repaid. We dance on endlessly, dizzily spinning through this fatal pas de deux. They pull you close, hand on your back, moving in perfect synchronicity, eyes closed, swirling and twirling, turning and feeling the heat of their body, smelling their hair, their skin, with a rose in your teeth, a silent pavane or dirge. Suddenly, you're awake. Another dream, so real, you touch the empty space beside you, and the pillow is still warm. But he's not there. For those who have danced this dance and dreamed these dreams, who cannot seem to exercise the demons that keep you tethered to these people, please know this. There are people out there who have escaped. They are free. They are healed. They survived a brutal discard. And they are real people. If they did it, we can do it. A stranger came into my house today to apply for a personal assistant position. I had advertised recently, and we soon discovered we had a similar journey following a narcissistic, psychopathic, destroy, discard, delete cycle with our life partners. We spoke the same language. She was a member of my tribe. Not too long ago, my predator husband said, there are no strangers. And while he was probably parroting some pseudo-philosophical bullshit that one of his harem had whispered in his ear in some drug-induced frenzy, I think all people do possess certain commonalities that make us human. We don't have to take MDMA or, you know, ecstasy or something like that to feel our warm and gushy, to be saying things like that about strangers. I mean, come on, we're adults, we're human, and we can look at each other and see we're all in this mess together. We're all trying to, to, to have the same thing, aren't we? So as I walked her to her car, she stopped and she turned to me squarely and she said, It's over. A complete stranger delivered a message I have not yet been able to accept. His mother told me the same thing about a week ago. I didn't believe her either when she said it. Even after almost two years, I can't get to the place where I can release it all and just walk away to save myself. There are dynamics in a relationship with a narcissist or psychopath that create peptide addiction and other biochemical reactions that exacerbate this disengagement with them. Both the brain and the body become dysregulated 
and in crisis mode as your soul attempts to understand just what exactly has happened. Add the trauma, the trauma bond that follows, Stockholm Syndrome kind of cult programming that takes place, and you have something that is not your ordinary breakup at all. It is an experience that causes trauma-induced PTSD and life-threatening health issues. Read the research. It's incredible. You know, there is a divine power that sends us the people to teach us the things we could never learn on our own. Do the people that come and go in our lives have a purpose for being there? Must we learn to let go of everyone we ever hold dear and profess to love? Are we better people in some way for letting them go? So many questions. I sure don't have the answers. But these words, both of this stranger named Susie and of my mother-in-law named Isabel, you know, their words hit me like a cannon blast. It's over. I realized I have not been able to fully accept that it is over. Not completely, not really. I don't know how to release someone who was the center of my universe, even if he had always been an illusion, a mirage, a beautiful fantasy for 16 long years. I still love him, in spite of the cruel and callous treatment at the end. I still care about him, even though he did horrible, reprehensible things in the course of our marriage, to me and my family. But this, this, this lack of empathy or remorse, um, this blame-shifting that he does, this demonization of the woman who loved him above everyone and everything. You know, that's, that's a lot to take in. You know, the lack of empathy and remorse and the failure to be accountable and the way they vilify you and the level of hate and contempt that they have suddenly out of nowhere when a day or two before, they looked at you with love in their eyes and they said, I love you, sweetheart, and they held you in their arms. Wow. You know, that abrupt pivot, that abrupt out of nowhere shift from love to absolute hate is something that the victim cannot process. It's incomprehensible. What has happened? What what just happened here? You know, if I were 30 or 40 or even 50 years old, it would be easier to start over from the beginning. But I'm not. Being placed at the start with the dice placed in my hand is something I cannot even fathom. When I'm playing board games and that happens to me, it's such a crushing defeat. But in real life, when you're set at the beginning and you've got that whole long journey to go through to try to get to the end, 
and you're already at the end and the clock is ticking, well, some of you can identify with that because some of you aren't young either, right? It's, it's um, you know, it's been nearly two years since he suddenly abandoned our marriage and I'm still trying to get up off the floor, punch, drunk, injured, debilitated, terrified, alone. You know, maybe someday real soon, I'm going to stand up and claim the hand that I have been dealt. I will not think about my advanced age or limitations. I will not think about how unfair and cruel this has been. Um, you know, I will just begin again with a child's sparkly eyes filled with hope and a heart fully capable of a kind of love that many will never know. I am blessed and grateful for experiencing love like that, for being able to love another human so deeply. It grows my soul, and it's something that they will never have. They will never know what it feels like to love another person. And the worst part, they will never know what it feels like to be loved. For those of you who understand this journey, I hope you find your peace and joy. I hope you don't have to suffer much longer. I hope you will live each day as if it were your last. Because that's all any of us really have. One day to live and love with all that we are, without past or future, without fear or without longing. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.